Thanks for tuning into our podcast. While you listen and think about the topics we will explore, remember that the areas you're moving into are always most important. Plan well and drive to protect others and yourself. That is how you deliver flawless services to our customers and make a great living moving America with rail. Enjoy life and enjoy this podcast. another episode of keeping it real i'm michael i'm roman and mike before we begin i i have a question for you you know Go you ahead. drove you drove quite a long time haven't you i did yeah so you know you're driving and you come up to a scale or you got those red and blues behind you for whatever reason not because you were breaking the law or whatever but they just wanted to the dot inspector wanted to get you what was your first thought well, change my underwear. Yeah. <laughs> White knuckling it on yeah, the thing. Oh my go. gosh, yeah. what did I do? Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, I, I ask you that question because I have we, we have something in store for you for all you listeners today. We actually have a Wisconsin State Patrol DOT inspector. Well let's saddle up and get to it. Go ahead, Inspector. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Ryan Schultz. I'm an inspector with the Wisconsin State Patrol. I've been with the Wisconsin State Patrol for seven years. I've been a DOT inspector the entire time. In the last two years, I've moved into the technical reconstruction unit, which is a crash recon unit. And before that, I actually drove semi and worked on them for eight years. Wow. So, wow. Is that common for DOT inspectors to have a driving background? Not really, no. There's very few guys that do. I know there's a couple guys that were drivers prior. One guy was a mechanic prior like I was too. It just depends. Everyone's from varying different backgrounds. It just depends when you go through the academy uh, what designation you pick when you come out and what additional training you receive. It's 26 weeks at Fort McCoy. It's live-in, it's paramilitary. We're up every morning, push-ups, sit-ups, running, come back in, do breakfast, classwork, and then more PT and training and practice at night. And that goes for 26 weeks. You live down there Monday th or Sunday night through Friday, then you get to go home on Saturdays and come back down. Once you're done, you graduate, you, you get to pick based on your class rank if you want to be a trooper, inspector, depending on what openings there are, where they are in the state, things like that. If you take an inspector position, then you go on to additional training. All the uh, inspectors are federally certified. Oh, wow. okay. So all of the commercial motor vehicle laws are federal. They're, they're right. not state laws, they're all federal. We're all the same. So if you get an inspection in Idaho, Washington, Connecticut, Wisconsin, a level one is a level one. We all look for the same things. We're all trained the same. I kind of like the trucks. I like doing the truck stuff, but I wonder you know, what it takes to be an inspector. So I actually stopped at a scale in Northern Minnesota during truck check and I didn't get flagged in. I volunteered and pulled in myself to ask questions. And uh, of course they did an inspection right away. And then uh, I went through and asked some questions and they kind of got me set up with what I needed to do. I enrolled in school. I stayed driving truck while I was going to school, did my homework in the sleeper berth every night and stuff like that <laughs> on wow, the computer. Good for you. So yeah. nice. got nice my associate's degree in 16 months because I didn't take any time off, just worked straight through and then applied for state patrol in 2014. Wow, you had, you had a goal. So, yeah. so whenever you stop someone and, and they look at you and they go, oh, you don't know where I'm coming from. You literally yeah. know where they're coming yeah. from. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I've been on the other side. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. And the same thing with looking at the equipment violations on a truck. I know not only that it's broken, that the law says that it's broken or it's incorrect. I know why it's incorrect. Right. So if it's an owner operator, small fleet, I can kind of help troubleshoot the truck for okay. them. So that's kind of nice too. Like instead of just telling them, Hey, you have an air leak here. I can say you have an air leak here because, and kind of tell them what route to look into to get the truck fixed. So you kind of, you push them that way. Say, Hey, this is what I want. You're trying to educate them as well. Yep. You're not just being that person you have a violation. Yep. The first thing, whenever you see them lights behind you or whatever, you just cringe up. Your heart starts beating out of your chest. That's an empty feeling. So you've been there. You, I'm sure you've yep. got pulled over before. Yeah, I got stopped actually three times while I was driving, um, twice in Minnesota and once in Iowa for inspections and 
never had any issues other than minor stuff along the way that the unavoidables like a marker light that's out well it's a light bulb right. they, they go out whenever they decide to go out there's not much anybody can do about right that. so whenever you're when you see a uh, semi going past or dump truck or whatever and you see them and you're sitting there look at them what indicators makes you go i'm going to pull that truck Road over side or pull them in a the scale i mean what what is your what are you looking for? When I'm working at the scale, they have weigh-in motions, and a lot of times they sort the trucks in randomly by itself or if it, it picks up on an overload. Okay. So the scale will sort the trucks in, or we can manually grab them. It's hard to grab just one, okay. so we'll just leave the scale on report for a minute or two, and it'll bring seven, eight, nine trucks in, and that's when we would look at them. Um, and usually what we do when we're at the scale, we have time on our hands. The trucks are stopped to weigh on the platform. We'll actually run the DOT number on the side of the okay. door, and that'll give us a safety score. And then that safety score is what determines whether it's a pass, it's a possible inspection, or it's a requested inspection from the DOT. So if it comes up as a high score with a red uh, marker next to it, that tells us we should stop and inspect this truck. And it'll give us previous violation history. Let's say a company has equipment uh, maintenance problems. It'll flag that for us so that we'll know that maybe we should do a good walk around or a level one inspection where we check equipment, vice versa. The next truck that comes across might have a higher numbered score with a red marker next to it because of hours of service or driver okay. qualifications. So now I know that it's more of a driver-driven inspection that I'm looking at, not so much the equipment. So it kind of helps us and then vice versa, we get a good uh, passing score, a very low number, um, something lower than like a 35 or something like that. It'll give us a green light. We won't bother that truck then because we know that that company and that truck is abiding by the rules, generally speaking. Can you explain the 35? What is it? How did for for someone that knows nothing about it? The CSA score. CSA score. Yeah. Okay. So the higher number, the worst possible score is a 99, and the best possible score is a one. How it's weighted and how you get there, I have no idea. That's not something they tell us. I know that if you get a violation on an inspection, it can add points to your CSA score. If you pass an inspection with no violations, it can actually drop your CSA score, which is going to help the company right. in the long run. Okay. How that's weighted and what things go into it, I'm not sure. I know state weight violations generally do not affect that, but I don't know how that system is weighted. I know if the company gets five or six speed warnings or citations in a month, it hurts more than just one, but right. I don't know that algorithm. Okay. So, so even if it's not a, a so ticket, it's a warning. It's still going against your CSA Correct. score, right? Correct. So sometimes that can hurt you even more. A warning versus a ticket, then it can. Yeah. Yep. Weird. That's that's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's weird. And I know as it goes on, uh, your tickets they, as they get older, the points go down. You know, I know yep. this from from doing CSA yeah. classes. Yeah. yeah. That's the time weight that it goes by. Yeah. Companies times right. two, driver times three. It's very important to pre-trip that truck. Yep. Very important, that's where it all begins. When you have to do a driver inspection or a maintenance inspection, what is your what is the state's perception on how our, how our equipment is and how our driver is? Uh, generally, if we have a rail truck stopped for an inspection, it is for some violation that's present. We don't do random inspections with rail trucks because Generally, the equipment's well-maintained, and generally the drivers have their CDL, they have their paperwork squared away, they have the binder in the truck that's readily accessible right. for me to go through and look through all the paperwork. It's a very quick, clean inspection. I try not to stop trucks that I know aren't going to have anything wrong because time is money. Right. You guys have places to be, things to do, deadlines to meet. The last thing I want to do is get in the way of that, knowing full well that there's not really much that needs changed. If it's already working, why why change it? Okay, you've been on that end, right? Yeah. You know, coming from that end, you, yep. you've been, you know how important it is to keep them going. Well, know? and if I know the the CSA score is a passing score, again, I'm not going to stop right. the truck mm -hmm. because the, the whole point of the CSA score is for us to know who's a pass, who's a fail, so that we can allow the trucks that should pass to pass through because they're already abiding by the rules or leading the way right. and being safe. Right. We try to stay proactive on whatever whatever right. the issue is here at rail. We we try to stay, if we see a trend going that direction, we're on top we're on of top it. of it. You know, we yeah. we have a really good department that monitors our CSA score, that monitors where our violations are. Hey, they pass that. Hey, this is what needs to be fixed. This is where our trending. We try to get that nipped. So, I guess my question is to you is 
in 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 regards to uh, hours of service violations, what is your not not just real that you in general? And what what is our number one that you see in the truck in the truck industry in Wisconsin that is 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 the biggest part of the violation of the hours of service? The biggest violation that I see is guys that incorrectly use personal conveyance. Okay. That's the number one issue. Um, it's one. It's not. Uh, old thing. It's fairly new. The personal conveyance thing has been new for the last two years or so. And it's been changed several times and the the definitions and stuff have been altered to meet certain things. And that's what I see is guys are not actually in personal conveyance and they're trying to use personal conveyance, whether it be to make up time if they're running behind, they're trying to further the load down the road by using personal conveyance. There's nothing wrong with using it if you're using it correctly. Like if you, you know, you're out on the road, you have some downtime and you need to use your truck to go buy some groceries or whatever, that's what it's for. Right. It's not for, I ran out of time at the truck stop an hour from where I wanted to be and now I'm going to basically clock out and then drive to the next truck stop to make up some time. Oh. And that's where we get a lot of guys that do it incorrectly. It's <clears> not, not so much the other stuff, the 30-minute rest breaks, going over your 70 11 hour rule, 14 hour rule. Usually it's a nominal thing when I see it. It's a driver couldn't make it to the truck stop in time and he ran nine minutes over on his log. A good trip plan. Yes, trip trip planning is huge because as many of the drivers I'm sure are aware, the truck stops are full a lot more than they used to be and a lot sooner than they used to be. So if you know you're coming into Chicago and you barely have enough time to make it through, maybe stop early and then leave earlier in the morning. You know, it's all part of your game plan. And for a new driver, it can be tough because you might not know where all the things are and all the truck stops are and so on and so forth. Um, But just make a reasonable effort. We can tell by doing a driver interview and looking at the logs if the driver's making a reasonable effort to get to a safe place to park and not go over versus just pushing themselves beyond knowingly common sense correct that's one of our that's one of our classes we do a whole class it's a four and a half hour class on nothing but trip planning and atlas reading and stuff so we really uh struggle on that you you know you talk about using personal conveyance correctly okay Mm -hmm. scenario for you um Wisconsin doesn't really have a lot of truck stops one right after like some urban areas okay we have some that are you know 10 miles apart 15 Mm -hmm. miles apart whatever you know, you have plenty of time to get to one. Let's say something happens, the highway shut down due to construction, accident, whatever. And that vehicle has to stop for two hours, let's say. The act of God. Yeah, they just went it. past, they just went past, say, not just past, but maybe five, ten miles ago, they just went past a, a safe place to start, whether it be a rest area, truck stop. Mm-hmm. Um, they come to a stop. Now, they weren't counting on that, okay, because usually, you know, that's a that's an open road. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen in, you know, in past what happens now? Their clock's running. They, they run out of time. How would how would you guys, I mean, what should the driver do in that case? I mean, other than communication with the fleet manager, what would you recommend? So what the driver needs to do in that situation is you're allowed to make notes on your logbook, okay. on your ELD. So make a note in there, um, something to the effect of crash or snowstorm or the bridge was washed out from the rain, wh- okay. whatever it is. Because in federal statute, there is regulation that covers adverse driving conditions. Adverse driving conditions covers acts of God, such as snowstorms, traffic delays that were um, unforeseen, like a, a hazmat tanker rolled over on the interstate. You're stuck where you're at. You're covered because you can't go anywhere. So we can't, we're not going to and we can't penalize you for something you have no control over. Okay. It's different than something you have control over. You know, that's the difference between a, a good trip plan and knowing where you can stop or about how long it'll take you to get to said rest location versus passing one when you have an hour of drive time left, getting stuck in a traffic incident for two hours. That's what forced you to go over. It's not you that forced you to go over. It's the circumstances that you got involved in. And that's where you make your notes on the log. And that's where you just make a note on the log. And when the inspector asks you what happened and why you're over, you just tell them, you know, that I was driving. I was I was going to go here. I had this much drive time to get here. And there was a traffic crash and I got stuck and I couldn't move for two hours. And you're good to go. That's good it's to not go. a violation. It's, it's not an issue. Simple. It's that easy. 
So you can easily back it up because you can research that. I mean, you can yeah, you can know. Right. And that's something yeah that we can look up. You so if there right was away, an right? ice yeah. storm in Iowa, I can go back and look on the news, and there's somewhere we'll have posted mm-hmm. about the ice storm that happened, or a bad traffic crash, or maybe even in the summertime you get a blowout in the concrete and they have to close a highway for a section. Some someone will note that somewhere. We'll be able to find that and cross reference that to reference what the driver had told us and as long as we can confirm that it's true and believable it's good to go okay, okay. I, I drove for this is a, would have been my 25th year uh, that i drove and i started on paper locks you know and it changed mm-hmm. several times right. have you seen uh have you seen an uptick in safer drivers since we switched over to electronic logs or is it gone the opposite direction what have you seen it didn't change it the way that it's unsafe is what changed so drivers used to cheat with the paper logs to get more time they'd condense stuff they'd run loose leaf throw pages out things like that Um, and now it's a lot harder to do that but guys will run short of time so I noticed speeds have gone up significantly because they're trying to make up for lack of time by speeding speed and inattentive driving are the two biggest problems when it comes to driving and that's not just commercial vehicles it's all vehicles all vehicles okay that's because i do uh, crash reconstruction almost every single crash that i go to had either inattentive driving speed or um, substances as a contributing factor one of them three they're either going too fast they were on drugs or alcohol or they were distracted by a phone a you know kid in the back seat something like that so that's what it's kind of trended towards is drivers trying to make up time where they shouldn't. A lot of it, you know, if the, a lot of fleets are governed, speeds are governed, so you can't speed on the four lane per se, like on the interstate, but on the two lane roads is where I see it the most. Okay. The truck might be governed at 64 miles an hour, which isn't too fast for a 70 mile an hour speed limit interstate, but it's nine over on a 55 zone two lane road. So that's where I see a lot of higher speeds now is on two lane roads. You, you spoke about, you know, texting and this and that. Um, have you seen an uptick in that where, you know, people texting, has it got worse? Has it got better? It hasn't really changed. The laws themselves that to address it, they work, but there's no change. People still just decide that the vehicles are easier to drive now. Mm-hmm. They handle the road better, cruise control. They get um, more comfortable in it, right? Exactly. What have you found in all of your research and the other departments, the other branches? What works? Just basically have a plan before you try to leave. If you try to leave and you're not ready to leave and you're not ready to go, that's when you're going to run into problems. That's when you're on the phone, you're trying to call a shipper or a receiver, you're trying to punch in stuff on the GPS while you're driving, any of those things. Do that stuff while you're stopped or find a place to stop. When you go to leave a shipper, make sure you know it is, you know, where you're going, put that address in. Maybe if you know you can't make it the first day, but you know the route you want to use, put the address in for the truck stop that you want to go to. Try to try plan. to set yourself up before you even move the truck. That way when you're moving the truck, the only thing you're focused on is you, the truck, and everything that's happening around you. Because okay. it doesn't take very long for something to go wrong in front of you. That's enough in itself. Right. Yeah. It, it you're worrying is. about that, the truck and, yeah. and, and people around you. That's enough to worry about, not worrying about, oh, God, I'm lost. I've got to figure out where i got to go, you know. And you're going to get lost. It happens, yeah. especially when you're in a different city. You've never right. been in a big city or road construction detours, things like that. But if you have a plan put together to start with, it's a whole lot less rattling when you already have a good plan going in versus going in blind and trying to do it as you get there. I understand. Yeah. Well, in regards to the mobile device in the hand. Okay, that obviously that is a no-no in a Correct. commercial vehicle. Um, you, you see drivers. But one qu- one question. Yeah. Right? But I'm really good at it. I hold it right in front of me. I can see the road. I've <laughs> no. got two eyes. <laughs> no. Right. I'm sure you've heard everything. Yeah, lots yeah. of it. Or you know, it's so well, so and so is in the hospital. Well, I understand. I'm really quick. I, life happens. I get right. it. But. You need to pull over and stop and return the call, return the text, take care of business. Because, I mean, if you, if that is happening, your mind isn't on driving then either. Right. So what I was getting at is you see a lot of drivers with those big 
ear the headsets. Horns, headsets. And they have the okay. double headsets. Yeah, yeah, or the single one. Yeah. Okay, the double one is illegal, correct? You can do that. Okay. I would advise against it because okay. you can't yeah. hear the train, you can't hear the ambulance, you can't hear the car horn. Even mechanical issues that are going around right. with your vehicle, you right. can hear before they Maybe become a bigger leak, problem. Exactly. Speed, yeah. But yeah, federally speaking, from FMCSA, that is not a thing that you can't have. You are allowed to do single button touch commands on those items. Okay. So if it's your phone and you have it in a phone holder and you have a Bluetooth headset because you can't physically hold the phone to your head to talk, you need both hands free. Um, if you're talking to somebody and you're done, you can reach up and press the red end button to end the phone call. That's okay. fine. Okay. You cannot punch in your GPS coordinates while you're driving okay. down the road. You cannot type up an email. I've seen people with their tablets on the on the thing, watching yeah. movies. Yeah. I mean, people watching it's, football it's crazy, games and man. soccer games on oh iPads gosh. and things. One guy had one taped to his steering wheel. <laughs> it was taped to his steering wheel. Wow. Taped, yep, clear packaging tape taped his phone to his steering wheel so he could watch a soccer game. Wow. And he was all over the road, and that's why I pulled him over because he, he was inattentive. So he told me what he was doing. So yeah. generally speaking, when you do initiate some sort of traffic stop or in a scale, okay, mm -hmm. uh, what kind of attitude feedback do you get from these drivers? I mean, is it all positive? Yes or no, sir? Is like, why are you stopping me? Are you getting the respect you deserve? It depends. It, it incredibly depends on the truck. It depends on the driver. It depends on their demeanor. Every person is different. I treat everybody the same from the start. What they do with me depends on what attitude they get back from me. I talk to everybody roadside just like I'm talking to you. I don't have anything to prove. I don't get a new pizza oven if I write enough tickets at the end yeah. of the month or anything like that. There's a minimum number of inspections I have to do in a year to maintain my certification, but that's it. Okay. And it's a super small, it's 32 inspections I have to do in 12 months, which is yeah, almost nothing. nothing. And then eight hazmat bulk and eight non-hazmat bulk. That's the bare minimum for me to so stay credentialed. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. yes. Okay. So there's nothing that goes along with that. So yeah, it depends on the driver themselves. Some drivers have bad attitudes. Some drivers have good attitudes. I can tell you this, the better the driver's attitude, the better the officer's attitude is gonna be. Okay. I, I always tell that anytime I was uh, training, I'd go ahead and I'd tell them, I said, listen, don't argue with them on the side of the road. Yes, sir. No, sir. Be polite. Leave your interior light on. Have your hands up on the okay. steering wheel. They don't know you. You're right. going into a strange vehicle. You don't know anything. They've seen nightmares out there on the road. Don't argue about giving them your ID. Give them your ID. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to argue about it, go to court and argue about it. Correct. That's the correct yeah. way to do it. And if you think you're right and you have a way to prove that you're right, you will for sure get out of it if you are correct. Yeah. And if the officer's wrong, they may have to go back for additional training or things like that. Um, if it's a simple thing, speed, something like that, don't try to argue that roadside. That's not going to get you anywhere. If it's something bigger, I guess, that maybe you were trained on or maybe you have an exemption because there was a lot of exemptions during COVID and things like that, where there was a lot of bad information out driver and officer alike. So if your company provides you with paperwork saying, you know, hey, you're doing such and such a hurricane relief, you do not have to log your trip. That's a very good thing then that exists because it's an emergency declaration from the federal government. Correct. Right. Okay. So now if that's the case and the officer doesn't understand why you don't have your logbook and you have a printed sheet from rail that says we are doing hurricane relief, we're exempt from FMCSR, blah, 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 blah. Hand that over to that officer. Explain them, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is why. Now that just, you're not arguing with them. You're helping them and you're answering questions. Same thing, drivers a lot of times have questions. Don't be afraid to ask. We're the people to ask. We don't know it all. None of us know everything. And I'll be the first to tell you that I don't know everything. I brought my computer in here today to talk to you guys in case you asked me a question I didn't know the answer <laughs> to. I don't need to know the answer right now. I need to know where to find the correct answer. I'd rather give you the correct answer and have to look it up than to try to make something up off the top of my head and be wrong. That's Perfect. the way we, when me and Roman do additional yeah. training, we, we tell the people, you know, if that's one thing I could say rail us a total. If we don't have the answer, we're going to find the find answer it. and yeah. we're going to get it for yeah. you. Yeah. It might not be today, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get, get it to it. You, yeah. you know, before you leave here to, you yeah. know, tomorrow, whatever. Um, as far as with the, the COVID going on, uh, I've heard that there's a run of, uh, you know, officers not wanting to get into the truck to look at the e-logs. What's a good way to handle that? Um, well, so the e-log has to be detachable and has to be able to be handed to us exterior of the vehicle mm -hmm. for more than one reason. Then that was prior to COVID. 
it's a safety thing. The truck, the interior of the truck is the driver's home away from home. I really don't want to be in his house. Okay. A lot of drivers, depending on where you work and depending on their policy, have pets. And sometimes the pets are very protective of the inside of that vehicle. And it might be the most friendly dog on the planet until I try to go in the cab okay. by the dog. So I don't want to do that. So if at all humanly possible, just disconnect it. If it's corded device, you can hand it over across the seat. If it's a wireless device, you can just, you know, obviously you have to set it up in inspector mode or have it prepared. The driver needs to be able to transfer the logs or they need to be able to give it to us to right. have us do the full inspection on the, the device itself. And that's what Rail has done. We have, um, I don't know if you've dealt with it yet or not, but we have an app. And we have a part on the app where it's called Show Me My Logs. I apologize, I don't have my, my phone with me handy. But um, what it is, is they can show the logs, they can hand it to you. It has the summary for the day, it has today's mm -hmm. logs, the graph, and then the last seven. Mm -hmm. And then it, it's not, that's not considered secondary since it's synced. So let's say, you know, the driver of the truck is driving and the logbook's not up to date, the logbooks are incorrect, um, they're over their hours on their logs, things like that, and they get into an accident with someone that blew the stop sign. So quite clearly it's that other vehicle's fault that they blew the stop sign. However, civilly speaking later, the other guy's lawyer is a lot less friendly than us officers are, surprisingly <laughs> enough. And if your logbook was over or you weren't supposed to be there, now you're civilly liable because you shouldn't have been there in the first place. Right. So the driver needs to be legit all the time and watching what they're doing at all times. Don't be on the phone because that's why I do what I do when I'm not doing recon stuff. I stop trucks, I do safety inspections, I educate drivers on how to be safe, what to do to be safe, because I don't want to have to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning right. on a Wednesday to go to a fatality crash where someone's 16-year-old kid got killed. Our motto here at Rail is driven to protect others. Well, that's exactly what you guys are. You're protecting the public. So we're trying that. Now, speaking of road signs, okay, um, way station. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have a driver, for example. Okay, let's look, talk about Coloma. You know where that is, obviously. You work, work here. Yep. And it's it's a left-hand lane. It's a left lane yep. in the median, both north and south. Now, they miss that sign. It's in the left lane or it's in the left side. They get up there and, oh, my gosh. You know, they, they weren't inattentive. They just missed Okay, well, that is inattentive, I guess, if they missed the sign. But this, the scale's open. They go through. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you guys do? What What is the process? Now, you see that truck go through even though it was an open sign. There's no pre-pass there. So nope. so what's the first thing you're going to do? Uh, depending on how many people are at the scale and how busy people are depends on if we have a vehicle that can go after said truck that ran the scale. Okay. So it just depends on... If there's only one of us there and the open sign is open, we can't leave because right. you can't close it physically quick enough. The goal for us is to stop the truck before it gets to Coloma southbound or before it gets to Hancock northbound so that it can use the ramp to make a turnaround and come back. If it bypasses Hancock north, it has to drive all the way up to Plainfield, which is a long ways out of the way, um, to go back and weigh the truck up and check the logs and things like that. Um, and like I said, if there's three or four people there and three of them are on an inspection already, there's not much we can do. Look at the Irish. So, we, so what yeah. would you recommend? Yeah, what would you recommend it, the driver? That do? happens. If that happens to what the driver, the best thing to do is go to the next ramp, turn around, and go back through. It's a circular scale. Coloma is. Right. You can go through the scale and then go right back southbound again or right back northbound so, again. So what if you're coming up on this, and I've seen some of the scales, and the ramp is full, but the scale still says open? You're and you're backed out onto the, like, 39 out here. You're backed out on yep. 39. What, what would you if recommend? It, if it says open, you're still supposed to follow what the signs say. Pull off of the traveled lane onto the shoulder into line as best you can. It okay. notifies the inspectors that the scale is open mm -hmm. and that there's a backup detected, and it will close itself as quick as possible okay. to prevent trucks from getting backed up out onto okay. the interstate. If the sign's closed, obviously, you can just bypass it right on through like it's no big deal because um, it's closed. Now you're in that shoulder, mm -hmm. you're, you're backed up, you put, you did the right thing, you saw the open sign, it's a backup, you get over on the shoulder and then all of a sudden the system detects closed. The sign in front of that vehicle that's already on the shoulder flips over closed. Now they can bypass they the mouth of the scale. They can go ahead and safely yep. go back in the lane if, of travel. If they haven't entered the mouth of the scale to the ramp, then they can continue okay. on. 
if you do if you do miss the scale southbound or northbound or whatever you know you're going any scale for that matter do not stop on the road okay just just keep going go to the next safe location to stop i've seen a lot of trucks stop some of them put their four ways on and back up so that they can go in the ramp the way they're supposed to oh my lord which is really unsafe especially coloma because it's kind of in a sweeping curve right so it's Both a blind ways, yeah. blind intersection yeah. so that's really not safe go to the next available ramp get turned around um, if it's a port of entry same thing for other states um, a lot of times they're only on one side of the okay. road so you're not going to have one going in and out of let's say north dakota you'll have one you know eight miles in after you've entered right. and then the one on the minnesota side is right at the border right at the border they're a little bit different so um, find find a safe location to stop. If you need to get turned around to go back to the scale, do so. If an officer's coming, just wait. Don't try to turn around when the officer's coming. Just wait for the officer. Tell they'll they'll come up right. to you yep, and explain why you missed it. Okay. Is that normally red flag saying, hey, uh, why did this driver bypass us is he hiding is they hiding something is yep. that the first thing you think of uh generally or they were not paying attention one okay. of those two is that an automatic ticket yep automatic Have you seen automatic an citation recently um yeah at coloma be, ever since i pass came out with the or pre-pass rather drivers think that you know, uh, pre-pass well yeah but there's no pre-pass at certain scales so if it doesn't prompt you in the cab you have to pull into the way station right. so we get we get that a quite a bit and um, or drivers that have gone past the scale prior and no one came after them because there was only one of us working or we so were that, busy that, that misconception. so now yeah. they think oh i can just go past it doesn't matter or whatever vice versa i mean other drivers too that are trying to hide something they don't have their cdl they don't have their logbook, uh things like that or stuff's not current or they're over and they'll just not stop well that's a red flag for us to come and grab you so <laughs> so i got a scenario for you so Let's say Mike is here picking up at ABC Company, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a heavyweight. And the closest scale for him to weigh that truck to make sure that he's legal, say, is 20 miles away, okay? Scenario. Mm -hmm. It's south of, you know, that, that, that scale is south, but he's got to go north. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, the right thing to do is to do what? Go to is that scale. Go to that scale. It. Now, let's say, now, do you guys know that, okay, this company, ABC, they generally are heavy. This guy's going in the right direction. Are you kind of watching them? Are you going to pull them over? Are you going to, I mean, how does that? No. Um, we no don't. Knowing that that company has a history of overweight loading. If it's, if we know they're overgross, that's one thing, because there's nothing you can do with overgross. If you're over 80, you're over 80. Okay. So that does not usually apply to freight trucks. That's usually uh, uh, loaded in the field type thing, log trucks, farm trucks, potato trucks. They just fill them full. Well, we know that's an issue because it can't do that. There's the box is too big to hold that many potatoes right. or that many logs or whatever. Those we watch a lot closer and they're live loading in the field. Um, freight trucks, not so much. Generally, the freight trucks that I see that are over the most are paper rolls. Paper rolls. Paper rolls and cardboard, for whatever reason, are the hardest thing for people to get right. And I know from experience, like if you come out of PCA and Tomahawk, they have a scale there and you can use it. Some places do not. So... Yes, you need to be legal to drive down the right. road if they have a scale or they don't. There is leeway for weight, and it's for that specific purpose. So I don't know about the other states. CMV laws for um, your equipment and your logbook and all that is all federal. Size and weight is state-specific. State specific, yeah. Every state is different. So in Wisconsin... It's basically you get 2,000 pounds on your axle groups. So axles two and three, which are your drive axles, and axles four and five, which are your trailer axles, have to be plus or minus 2,000 pounds, basically. Okay. So actually plus 2,000. So 34,000 is legal on tandems. If you're 36,000 or less, we'll have you reshift it to weigh it out legal to make it where it needs to be to go down the road, and you just get a weight warning. Okay. So that's the tolerance that's built in. And then with overgross is 500 pounds is our policy. Okay. Most of us that I know of use a thousand pound leeway for that. Okay. So that does give the driver uh, quite a bit of wiggle room. Yeah, it I does. mean, 2,000 yeah. figure That's each awesome. hole on the trailer is approximately three, 400 pounds when you're shifting your weight, generally speaking. 
that's a lot of difference in your in your axles. So if you slide it, if the trucks have an air gauge and you know where the axle weights are supposed to be, once you learn that, you can use that gauge to help you axle yourself out. The trailer may not have it, but the truck does. So if you right. see the truck is reading really light and you know you're loaded to 80,000, you need to shift the axles to make the truck tandems read the right amount of weight. Now you know the trailer is realistically close to where it's supposed to be. Again, you still want to be within the... You want to be within the legal yeah, tolerances. 34, 34, and 12, right. Exactly. Yeah, we're not saying... It's 13, actually. Right. Okay. Well. 34, 34, and 13. 12 is what it says inside the door. So at 12,000 pound rating on the axle, but state statute gives you 13. Okay. Wow. That's good information. It's very good information. Yeah. But uh, again, let's do a 34, 34, 12, <laughs> and we'll be fine, right? <laughs> yeah, right? if you set yourself up under, you're never going to have yeah. a problem. <laughs> yeah. A lot of drivers out there have the mindset, well, if I get too many tickets, I'll just go and do something else. You know, if they get in a fatality, you, you actually, you could go to jail. You couldn't just, I'll just quit this job and move on to another one. You're, it only takes once sometimes right. if you're if you're in the wrong and severely in the wrong um, you may be looking at yeah multiple multiple years prison jail depending wow. on how bad it could be mm -hmm. depending on what you actually did um, it's just a responsibility yeah substance yeah. abuse is a big one um, for an example uh, truck driver was I think he was from Indiana um, he was driving north on I-39 by Madison a bus had pulled off to the side with uh, disabling something going on with the engine and he had overused prescription pills and sideswiped the bus that was on the side of the road. Didn't kill anybody, severely hurt a bunch of little kids from, a, I think it was a church group that was going to the Dells for a summer thing. And he just got his sentencing this last year and I think it's 12 years in federal prison that oh he has boy. to put in for that because of one bad decision to overuse prescription pills. Same thing could happen with the cell phone. I know a lot of times minimum sentence, generally speaking, is about five years if you get in a, a fatality crash that involves your cell phone. But you don't want to be that, you yeah. don't want to be that guy, I had to check that text mm -hmm. and I hit a school bus. That's, that, right. I wouldn't want to live with that. The driver did their consecutive hours off, their 10 hours off duty. Mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, their home time, whatever they have their home time, they did their 34 hour reset, whatever. And they didn't get the proper rest. Yep. They go back to work that their their next scheduled takeoff day, and something happens. Their logbook says, "Hey, I'm legal. Look, mm -hmm. it's legal." But you guys did your investigation. You, you everything and that driver did not have adequate rest or the proper rest prior. What's the what? What could happen to that driver? Same thing, basically, because you're still driving fatigued. There are rules and regulations in place for driving fatigued, whether or not it. I mean, you can fall asleep driving have only having been at the wheel for four hours okay because if you got bad sleep or you're tired or you didn't sleep or you were watching tv or doing something else or it was your home time and you worked real hard in the yard and did all these other things went hunting fishing vacation whatever and you weren't ready to report for duty and you're still tired you're still fatigued you're still just as dangerous okay. whether or not your logbook says you're that's legal a, or not that's an interesting so even if even if a person is completely legal if they're feeling fatigued, they need to find somewhere to stop and, and get some rest. Yep. Or not even report, or, say, I need to start later yeah. or the next day. Report later, so start later. So what, yeah. we're, what we're saying is it's the driver's responsibility to make the sure. Yeah, we're yep. professionals to make sure you have the adequate preparing to drive. That's part of our safe seven. Adequate rest, your trip plan, everything done. Even yep. though when, you, when you're off duty, you're not, not responsible for yourself. Correct. Right. So as long as we're driving, well, it doesn't matter if we're driving a, a, a personal vehicle or commercial vehicle, it, 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 the same law applies. So yep. there's no difference in that. Exactly. That's interesting to know that, yeah. that just be, you can't use that argument. Hey, I was legal. No, right. you were irresponsible. You're, st yep, you're yeah. still responsible for you in that vehicle. And the same goes with being sick. There's an actual statute for driving. You can't drive while you're sick. Does what that are, mean if you have the sniffles you can't drive? No. That means if you have the flu and one eye is watering to the point you can't see out of it and it's just generally unsafe, you know yourself, you know your body, you know what you should and should not be doing. If it feels at any point unsafe, um, when I was a driver, 
uh, set homes for loss of homes. We would work on the job site. It's hot, it's miserable, there's bugs, things like that. I would be exhausted after my nine hours running around on the job site. I still have logbook left, but I didn't ever drive to the end of it because I was tired by the time I was done with my day. I would go to where I could stop or whatever I felt like for the day, and then I would shut down for the day. Sometimes it was only an hour down the road. Once summertime, you get the AC going, you finally relax a little, you start getting tired, I'm done. I'm stopping myself from driving. And then I would take my time off, take my 10-hour break or whatever it was that I needed, sometimes more, um, depending how tired I was. And then I would drive. If I got tired in the middle of it and there's a rest area or something, I'd pull in and take a nap for a half an hour. Hmm. That's that's on you to do that to yourself, to you know make sure that you're safe and nothing wrong with taking breaks. Even if it's just as simple as getting out of the truck and walking around and stretching your legs, sometimes that's all your body needs is just to move a little bit. Um, and that's up to you to know what okay. works for you and what helps you drive down the road and be safe. It, because with this job here, it's a different kind of tired. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's worked in whatever jobs you came from, factories, whatever. It's a different, it's, when I first started doing this, it is an exhausting. By the end of the day, when you lay down, you wind down, your body just shuts down on you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't realize that, you know. But when you see the keys to it, you need to find somewhere to stop. Correct. Doing the right thing, um, you know, not not finishing out the end of the day with that logbook because you were tired. Did you still bring home a paycheck? Because that's that's your that's your living. You mm -hmm. know, that's how you provided for your family. That's how you provided for the things that you like to do. Did, did was it still adequate to do it yeah. the right way? Absolutely. You don't need to cheat on your logs, and you don't need to drive tired to make good money. What do you look for in that vehicle or driver to make you want to turn around 180 degrees? or put your lights on and initiate that stop? What would be that so reason? What, what most of us do and what I do sp specifically is we're allowed to stop random vehicles for random safety inspections. We do not have to have uh, probable cause for a stop like you would in a personal vehicle. Okay. So that being said, I will sit in a certain location and I will watch the trucks go past and I'll wait for either an amount of time, let's say I'll give myself 45 minutes, or I'll give myself an imaginary number. I'll just pick a number out of the blue, like 27, you know, and I'll sit there and I'll watch the trucks go past and I'll watch for violations. Lights out, cracked windshield, seat belts, speed, cell phone use, flat tires, because you can hear them when you're sitting right. on the side of the road, you can hear that noise. Um, potential overloads. I mean, if I'm looking at the tires and they look squatty on the bottom, like an upside down mushroom, there's probably a weight problem going on. Um, and it's all watch for things like that. Um, and if I don't see something in that amount of 45 minutes or the 27th truck goes past and I haven't found a violation, I take the 27th truck for a random safety inspection. Okay. So that's how I do it. But the things I generally watch for are the things that every cop generally watches for. Seat belt, equipment violations, speed, cell phone, um, inattentive driving. The, if the truck looks like it belongs on the road, the driver looks like they're paying attention and it looks like it's supposed to be there, all the lights work, there's not, you know, 10 bags of Funyuns on the dash <laughs> and a bunch of paperwork and broken windshield and things yep. like that. Um, them are the, you know, the trucks that I'll look for. Maybe there's duct tape holding the mirror on or something. Yeah. If it's just that, that's not something that usually throws a red flag. Because for all I know, the guy just hit a turkey and he had to do something to get home right. to fix it. Now, he at least still has a mirror, which is better than not having one. Um, but if I see a lot of things, usually it's, it's a compilation of stuff. If the truck is something as simple as it's, it hit the rumble strip as it was coming at me, and I noticed that. And now I see it's got one marker light out. Well, I'm not going to stop for either one of them by themselves, but now you put the marker light out, the crossing onto the rumble strip, the driver's looking out the you know, passenger side window, there's stuff all over the dash. It doesn't look like the person that's driving, the company, they look like they cut a lot of corners. Okay. So that's the one I want to look for because that's the one that's going to cause a problem later. That's where I might find... Um, inoperative brakes, I might find improper mechanic work underneath the truck, um, false log books, no CDLs. That can happen in any vehicle. Right. But when it, it looks like it doesn't belong, everyone's seen it. Everyone's seen that jalopy car that goes past and they go, man, how's that thing on the road? That's what we look for. Okay. It's just little clues like that. So I got a good question for you. All right. Whatever the case may be that's got you pulled over. 
All right. What do you recommend for the driver getting pulled over to make you feel comfortable to go up and, and check them out? Because I know you've got, you don't know these people. Mm-hmm. They don't know you. You don't know them. You know, and with things going on nowadays, everybody gets a little nervous. What would you recommend the driver to do to make both of you guys at ease? The first and most important thing is drivers responsible for that truck. Pick a spot to pull over. If you see us and we got the lights on behind you and you're on a four-lane highway and there's a ramp coming up, go up the ramp. We don't want to stop on the side of the road because we don't want to get hit by a car. We don't want you getting hit by a car. We don't want anything to be unsafe. If you see that squad car behind you with the lights on and you know there's a ramp in a half a mile, put your four-ways on. Acknowledge that, you know, with the four-ways on, I know you see me. And now you start slowing down and you go up the ramp. Drivers do that, first thing I tell them is thank you because I'd rather be on the ramp because that's where we were going to go anyways. If you pull over right away on the side of the road, I'd take your driver's license and ask you to drive up to the ramp so we're not on the side of the highway. If you know there's a parking lot ahead, somewhere that's safe to pull into that allows the trucks there, obviously, that's a viable option. If it's a two-lane road, make sure you don't stop at the top of a hill, in a curve, anything like that. Make sure the shoulder's big enough that you feel safe to pull over onto it. Put yourself in a good position and a safe position so that you can actually stop the truck and have a safe amount of shoulder to sit on. Have your window ready to be rolled down. Generally speaking, we'll come up on the passenger side of the vehicle out of traffic, depending where we are. If we're in a parking lot, I'll come up to the driver's side because it's just easier to talk to the driver But if or at the scale. If we're roadside, I'm probably going to come up on the passenger side. If you have a pet, I don't know if you guys allow pets or not. If you do, maybe try to have a hold of the dog so the dog doesn't try to you know, scare me when I come up to the side of the truck, whether or not it's friendly or not or something like that. And then just have your stuff ready. Nothing, you know, reach over onto your logbook, put yourself on duty, because now you're doing, you're doing an inspection, you're on duty. Get your wallet out, get your driver's license handy, grab your permit book that has your registration in it, your bill of lading. If you have all those things ready, for one, it makes me feel a lot more at ease because I know you're ready to go with the inspection, and I know that you're probably going to be a friendly person to deal with regardless of the outcome and it'll help you get back on the road quicker and it'll help me do my job much more effectively and much quicker than having to dig through paperwork and dig through this and dig through that to find your stuff if you have it all ready to go as soon as i get there in a positive attitude it's not going to be a very long experience where we're going to be on the side of the road especially if it's a random inspection generally speaking a level two inspection which is a walk around where we check lights tires equipment and your paperwork and your credentials 15 to 30 minutes tops. That's it. That's it. That's all it is. And we will have you on your way as quick as possible. Um, My goal is not to hold you up. My goal is not to put you in a predicament. My goal is not to put you in a bad spot. I've already had drivers too that, you know, ask them, because I need to know where you're coming from and where you're going as part of my inspection. Because I need that from your bill of lading and from you to match to your logbook. So I'll ask, you know, hey, where are you going today? Oh, right up here, actually. Oh, well, okay, perfect. Why don't you drive up there to XYZ Company, pull in the parking lot. I can do my inspection, and then you can back up to the dock, and we can both work at the same time. Perfect. Because I'm not there to hold you up. I'm just here to do my job. Never would have guessed that you would do that. Absolutely. That's something that... That's nice to know. Maybe that could happen if that does happen. Uh, generally, the, the driver, they should stay seated. Stay seated. Seat, seat belt on, or can keep, they take that off? Keep your seatbelt on. Um, stay seated in the vehicle and just wait for instructions. If I need you to grab something and you need to get up and get it, say, yeah, it's over here. I got to, you know, whatever, take my seatbelt off. Absolutely go ahead. Okay. I would not take your seatbelt off until you talk to the officer, though. So I have stopped some guys that did not look like they had a seatbelt on because they had a winter jacket and it was covering the entire shoulder belt portion. I couldn't see it. I don't look at the chest area alone for a seat belt. I look up in the corner by your shoulder, see the buckle hanging there, okay, yeah. or look for the actual seat belt, or if it's under your armpit, you cannot do that either. That is not a reasonable excuse. Your shoulder, your seat belt has to go over the top of your shoulder in a manner prescribed by the manufacturer. That's what it says in statute. So under your armpit doesn't work. That's yeah, just improper so, use. It's yeah. improper use yeah. of seat belt. So, so for 
and you're walking up to them, you know, maybe turn on your interior lights where they can see yep. good inside of your truck. Have your if you have a sleeper on your truck, have your curtains open to where they can see nothing's hiding back there. Um, you can if you have a co driver though. I know a lot of yeah. people have co drivers. If co driver's sleeping, go ahead, leave the curtains pulled. Just advise the officer the co driver's in there or you got your kid with or your wife with or the dog maybe. You know, yeah, I got my pet or my wife or whatever, you know, and they're sleeping or something. Well, I don't want to disturb them either. Right. But just leave it be you can you can leave the curtains closed it's completely fine because that part of the truck is not really something that i need to inspect anyways so that's fine just yeah keep your hands up where i can see them is a big thing we're we're not jumpy people by nature we're jumpy because we have to be because i don't know what's in that truck i don't know what's and i can't see from the ground very well into that truck either i'm going to treat you just like i'm talking to everybody here today because i have no reason to think you're a bad person (laughs) i just need to be prepared for you to be a bad person so don't don't take offense to that we just want to go home safe at the end of the day just the same as what you do what is the statues for weapons in a vehicle so those are the the two questions I get asked most often deal with alcohol and CMVs and weapons and CMVs, which is commercial motor vehicles. So you can carry a handgun in your uh, semi. There are no federal regulations against it. Everyone thinks that you can't have a gun in a commercial motor vehicle. That is dictated by your company policy. You have to follow what your company says and the state that you're in at the time. So if Wisconsin allows concealed carry, you have a concealed carry permit that's valid for the state of Wisconsin. You're in Wisconsin in your truck, you can have your concealed carry handgun in the truck with you. No harm, no foul, no issues. Just advise the officer, hey, I have a handgun in here. Here's my permit and my driver's license. And it, again, that's Easy company that. policy. Yeah, yep. our company, company, our right. company dictates we can't have right. one. So. Correct. Yeah. So, and that, yeah, that reverts back to your company policy. Company policy obviously trumps what the laws are if as long as they're more restrictive. So if your company says you can't have a pet, you can't have a pet. There's okay. no federal regulation against it. Same as a firearm. Right. Alcohol, too. A lot of guys think that you have to have .04 for your blood alcohol tolerance in your personal vehicle because you have a CDL. That's not true. It's the same as everyone else. It's dependent on the vehicle that you're driving. It's zero tolerance in the commercial vehicle and zero tolerance within 24 hours of operating the commercial motor vehicle. And you can't have any alcohol in the cab or illicit drugs, obviously, in the cab of the commercial motor vehicle period. And if you have any prescriptions, you need a, it to you be in a bottle. In a bottle, in a prescri- in the prescribed bottle that it came in or a copy of the prescription in your or whatever. Name, not not in, your wife's correct, name. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah. Everything needs to be legit about it. Yeah. And there again, you're also governed by company policy. Good. So if company policy is absolute sobriety and zero tolerance at all times, that's what you signed up to work here. That's what you have to live by. Do you by. report that? Let's say you, you come across a company. Is that something you ask them? You see that firearm. Okay, not a rail truck. Mm-hmm. Um, some other company. Just and they, company. They, they said to you, hey, you know, I have a handgun. Here's my, here's my credentials for that. Okay, do you look into that company policy or do nope. you just trust that they're nope. doing what they're supposed to do? Because I can't enforce a company you policy. Force it it okay. doesn't doesn't bother me whatsoever. All I enforce is the state and federal laws. Okay. You can have a pocket knife and it's not counted as a concealed weapon. Mm-hmm. You can't have butterfly knife, brass knuckles, that you'd have to have a concealed carry permit for for Wisconsin. I can't speak for Minnesota, Florida, right. Georgia. Everyone's different, everyone has their own rules. Illinois is very restrictive. Wisconsin's not nearly as strictive or restrictive. Montana basically doesn't have any rules. It's just whatever state you're in, you have to abide by the law of the land that you're in at the time, and that's how you would be. So a pocket knife is universally accepted as not a concealed carry. So if you have a small pocket knife um, for cutting plastic banding or something like you, you use it to you know, pop the seal on the back of the truck when you back up or to cut the plastic banding off of the pallets as the, the guys are unloading it. Completely acceptable. The basic rule of thumb I was always given, if the blade's not wider than the palm of your hand, you're okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's you just, very you just, similar. You just mentioned popping the seal on the back mm-hmm. of the truck. What would make you want to open up that truck to see what's inside, even though it's a sealed trailer. What would make you do that? Nothing prevents me from breaking a seal on a trailer unless it's U.S. mail, Department of Defense, or Homeland Security load. There are only three things on the planet that I'm not generally supposed to open. And if it's sealed, I'm not generally going to open it unless I think there's a load securement problem. 
So if the truck is severely leaning to the left and I think the load shifted inside, I'm gonna break the seal. I'm gonna keep the seal. I'm gonna give it to the driver with the driver's paperwork. I'm going to issue a state of Wisconsin seal, write that on there and note it. Um, the company still may throw the load away because sometimes that's how they right. are. It just depends on their policy. Um, but I'm going to do everything I can. It will be resealed before that driver leaves again. And again, that goes with company policy if that happens. Yeah. A communication. That Correct. Does, and then you'll put all your information down on. All the information right. goes on the inspection report I issue to the driver for the company. And I will also make notation either on a separate piece of paper or the bill of lading for the receiver. So they know why their seal was removed and why my seal was on there. I've had that personally happen to me. I was coming out of Texas and and I got stopped, got a random DOT right on the side of the road. And uh, the officer broke my seal, opened my doors, and he sealed it back up just like you said. He put his seal on it, he put on the bills, and he gave me Henry. I went, I got to the customer, they unloaded. It was not a problem. Mm -hmm. It was just fine. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, it's a yeah. government-issued seal. Right. So, I mean, they know we're not tampering with the load. Yeah. Um, there might be other reasons, too, uh, Generally speaking, if we do a canine detail and we have a drug dog working in the parking lot at the scale when we're working, the dog alerts to the trailer, we're going in the trailer. It's that simple because okay. that gave us probable cause to search the load. And it may not be anything that the driver did. It may be that the guys that were loading the truck earlier that week had, it, had, yeah. had been smoking weed and it smelled like weed when they were touching the product. The dog smells that. Do you That's, run into that a lot? Have you had any uptick in finding any legal drugs lately? Um, not really yeah, any around. Kind of contraband. It goes in spurts. I don't know why it does that. I'll go sometimes six, eight months. I won't notice anything wrong with any truck or any driver. And then all of a sudden I'll catch three or four of them in a row in two months time right. that have marijuana, prescription pills, alcohol. Alcohol seems to be, I don't know why, seasonal. I don't know why it's a seasonal thing, but for whatever reason, guys have it in their head that if they drink at night, it goes away if they go to sleep. That's not the case. If you stay up for the Sunday night Packer game and drink too much and leave right away Monday morning, you're still under the influence. So Monday morning after football games, after the Super Bowl, things like that, awful lot of truck drivers still have measurable amount of alcohol on, in their system. You can't do that. There's only one problem with that. If you're watching the Packers, you're never going to be watching the Super Bowl with the Packers. Oh, oh listen to him. Yeah, wow, <laughs> look at him. this. Oh, Mike, I, I used to like you. <laughs> <laughs> what What about, uh, I see nowadays, I see uh, a lot of the CBD and stuff like that. Is that legal to have? CBD is, yes. Marijuana is not. Um, any of the illicit things, any controlled substance. If it's a non-restricted substance, caffeine, you could be under the influence of too much caffeine and get in trouble if you're taking too many caffeine pills and things like that. Like the energy drinks? The energy drinks, like the, that, yeah. um, the pills that you can get at the truck stop, no-dose, things like that. That can cause a problem. Perfectly legal substance. You don't even need to be 18 to buy it, but you can have an issue. Well, enough about all the serious stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do when you're, uh, when you're not doing? Uh, so when I'm not basically working, I... Try to be out and outside as much as possible. I hunt, I fish. I actually just I was on vacation this last week to fish the Kiwani Door KD Salmon Tournament for a week. Just missed placing uh, in the money this last week. So that was fun, but we were real close. Well, we saw the picture of your wife out fishing. Yeah, yep. She yeah. catches bigger fish. She's, she's a lucky fish magnet. I don't know what it is. So you're so. a normal person. Yeah, some guys like video games, some guys go hiking, some guys go to the gym, just the same as the drivers. We're all the same. It's just, you know, we just wear a different hat to work every day is all it is. When you tell people that you, you just meet what you do, mm -hmm. do they immediately kind of shy away from you? Do they kind of want to get closer? Do you can find out things like, give me some tips, give me it, your card, you yeah, know, that it, kind of it thing. depends. And each, you can give me yours at the end so I can use that I'll take there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> each person has a different reaction to it. And it's it's that way within the field too. So some people, when you tell them what you do, they, oh, and they get real quiet. They don't want to talk to you. They don't like cops, whatever. It is what it is. That's your personal preference. Doesn't bother me. Some people ask me lots of questions. And if you're an officer and you bring home a squad, car because we bring ours home every night you become the resident expert on all things <laughs> in the law so the neighbor will have a question about the ordinance for how long the grass can be 
I have no idea. <laughs> and I don't do that stuff. So I'm just a normal guy too, you know. Just give him a coworker's card. Exactly. Call this guy, yeah. And then, yeah, that's always the, you know, how fast can I actually go if the speed limit's 55? You know, well, there's no, there's no magic anything. I always tell people, well, technically 54 mile an hour is impeding traffic and 56 <laughs> is speeding. So you can go 55. It's called a speed so, limit. <laughs> yeah, it's a limit. So uh, you like what you do? I love what I do. Yeah, I, I miss driving to some extent because they're both stressful. Driving truck is stressful. Stopping trucks, uh, inspecting trucks, being an officer, all that stuff is stressful in its own right. I miss parts of who I worked with. I miss the driving. I miss going to see things. I've been to lots of different places in a semi I would have never seen otherwise. Right. I would never in my life have been to Moberly, Missouri if it hadn't been for driving truck. And I don't was, even know where that is. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people don't. It's a cool little place. But you do. Yeah, I was there a couple times. It's it's really neat, and I do yeah. miss parts of that, but I really do like what I do here just because it's something I don't necessarily get to see a finished product, not like you're building a house. You get to see the house when you're done. If I prevent a crash, I don't know I prevented the crash, but I think I prevented the crash. And if I think that I got through to one or two people and prevented something bad from happening, that made that whole year worthwhile. So without us out there doing our job, you know, and issuing the citations, issuing the warnings, making the traffic stops, being visible, bringing the consequences to the people who deserve them, I mean, you can imagine what it would be like. It would be much, much, much worse fatal crashes, anything, and just crashes in general, Critical all that stuff would, would go, go up. up. Yep. Um, and it'd just be an unsafe world for everybody out there. I always think that, you know, if that was my family in that other vehicle, how would I feel? So you spoke earlier about uh, people being overweight. You know, that's mm -hmm. one of the things you look for. You've seen the tires, the mushroom tires. I mean, what's the big deal? Yeah, so the thing with overweight is it does a lot, actually. Overweight trucks going in a straight line are not nearly as bad as an overweight truck that's trying to turn. When an overweight truck turns, it tears the asphalt underneath itself. If you're ever by a really busy gravel pit where they got a lot of trucks coming in and out, the approach in front of their business, that road is tore up, something severe. Those trucks aren't even overweight, they're legal weight and they're doing that to the road. An overweight truck, by every thousand pounds, the amount of damage they do is accelerated by something like 17%. Wow. Uh, it's an actually it's astronomical the amount of damage and like bridges and things like that I had a truck I stopped one time that was doing a road construction project in the city of Mosinee. It was a quad axle dump truck. They were allowed to be 73,000 pounds. When he went around the roundabout, the sand spilled out of the box because it was piled in there so high, and I stopped him. He was 107,000 pounds. Holy moly. And he'd just gone across the Wisconsin River Bridge that way. So that damages the roads. And I've had guys argue with me on the side of the road that it's not a crime, it's not a thing, it's blah, blah, blah. Well, no, it's not a crime per se. It's not a misdemeanor. It's not a felony. But what you are doing is you're robbing everyone in that community that pays taxes. So that's what you're, you're taking away from your community that way. By being overweight and wrecking the road, you're making it unpleasant to drive on. You're ruining the road that we all have to use. And it's taking the money away from what could fix the school to make something better for kids or to fix a building or to repair a different road that's been in need. Well, obviously, too, that the weight the weight is designed for the safe operation of that vehicle, right? So Correct. So we go overweight now. That safe vehicle or that that operating normal operating range for that vehicle just became unsafe because now it can't handle that load. Yep. Maybe the damage. You're after. straining the okay. suspension. You're straining brakes. You're straining tires. Tires is the biggest thing. People don't even think about that when you're overweight. The tires are only meant to hold up so much weight. An overweight tire gets hot, explodes, and you get chunks of tire all over the road. And you could lose control. You could lose yeah. control of the vehicle. Right. You could damage, you know, okay, I'd blow a tire off. Okay, there's 18 of them. I can lose one and still make it down the road, generally speaking, sure. Unless the tire that blows off hits the guy on the motorcycle next to you. Right. Now it's a huge problem, all because you were overweight and it was something simply avoidable. Have you seen a lot of uh, following too close incidents? Following too close is a huge problem. You can't drive a, a semi like you can drive a Ferrari. They don't stop on a dime. Well, I don't have a Ferrari. Do I don't either. I've well, never have, driven one. <laughs> I, I hear them all the time. Well, we have 18 wheels. We have 18 brakes. Yeah. That should be able to stop quick. Yeah. 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 18 wheels, 18 brakes, but you got 80,000 pounds right. pushing. It doesn't doesn't work yeah, that we, way. We here at Rail, we do seven second following distance. Yep. Um, that's that's what we teach. That's what we. 
uh, generally like we, to we try least, to, at least seven seconds. I we try to go by above and beyond what the, right. the, yep. the industry is. Be ready. You yep. know, just as long as you get, can get off the park, maintain, yep. recognize the fact that, hey, I'm getting too make, close. Make space when there isn't space. Is right. that one of the things that, that draws your eye to a, a driver? Oh, absolutely. I uh, Last truck I actually stopped was right before vacation, and that was a milk truck that there was not enough room between his front bumper and the car he was following on the interstate to put another car in between the oh, two wow. of them. So there's no way he could have seen the license plate on that car past his hood. He was so close to that car. And that's unacceptable because if the car even touches the brakes, he doesn't even have enough reaction time. You know, standard human reaction time is about six to seven tenths of a second. He's going to be into that car before his foot touches the brake right. pedal. And then you got the brake lag on top of that. And right. he's got a liquid load. So yeah. Liquid load sloshing, yeah. exactly. And he didn't seem to think it was an issue. So. Wow, so that's just a habit that... Uh, just being aggressive. Yeah. They're not thinking about selfish. other people. They're right. being selfish. They're, right. they're the only one in their world. They're, you know. You'd be surprised if you give them the respect how it'll de-escalate de yeah. the situation. It's also um, contagious, too. You Absolutely. know, courtesy, respect, you know, yeah. yielding, all that stuff. Give them a smile, and right. sometimes that'll, that'll diffuse the situation, you know. Correct. Okay. Well, Mike, uh, this has been a great talk. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap this up for this podcast, but uh, hopefully in the future we can get you back here, you know, maybe Absolutely. four to six months, and we can go on other topics and see how things are going with you, what you see with the industry, and maybe with rail as well. It was just a pleasure having you, and you're welcome back anytime. Right. Thanks for having me. And we'll keep in touch, and uh, we'll, we'll talk here and there, and then we'll get you back on here and talk about some other topics. Sounds good. Officer Schultz is going to be coming back in the future, near future, Mike. What do you think about that? I think it's great. So if you have any good questions, you can always email them to us. And Mr. Producer, tell us where to send them. Send your questions for Officer Schultz to podcast at rail.net. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at rail.net. Also, if you have any ideas for guests or topics for this podcast, send it our way. We want drivers who drive with rail to be the most educated and entertained drivers out on the roads. Help us do that by sharing the podcast with others. Ask other drivers if they've heard it. If they haven't, tell them where they can find it and tell them to check it out. It's pretty good. <laughs>